Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So I guess it's a bit of Canadian cultural education, since we are both Canadian, that mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning that a lot of like houses, like single houses, will have basements mm-hmm. in them in Canada. It has a bit to do with just the being a frost issues, and if you mm-hmm. don't dig your house deep enough, it causes foundation problems. So houses in Canada have basements, and mm-hmm. we just jam all sorts of garbage into the basements. We, of course, don't have basements because we're millennials. And we live in, mm-hmm. yeah we can't afford that we live in, house we live in one room with a bed off in the corner of course <laughs> yeah, but, yeah yeah but for a majority of sometimes people, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of millennials that live solely in basements so there is the other side they have to live there but normally our stuff just lives <laughs> they're not in allowed basement. to go upstairs up, up, upstairs though they just live in the basement with all the stuff that people accumulate over yeah. their lives. <laughs> so I, I don't know what I would actually do if I had a basement, what what sort of monstrosities would begin growing in there. But uh-huh. I, I think I have a guess about what half of the stuff would be. And I think I've, I have a guess of at least what half of the stuff you would have in there would be. Yes. And that has something to do with our podcast, which is a giant pile of shame, which is... A whole bunch of boxes of unpainted miniatures, many of them uh, still in box and shrink wrap. Some of Mm -hmm. them even worse, just have the shrink wrap ripped off and then the box put back on top and then put back on the shelf. I would honestly kind of of feel like smog, like the dragon, just knowing (laughs) that I live on top of a giant pile of riches like that. I don't know. It almost seems good. (laughs) Yeah, I got to say, maybe it's the consumer culture talking, but like... It's kind of cool to have your own little shelf of a store sitting there for you to like just look at and possibly pick something out and and, and open right at that time. That sounds actually pretty responsible. Only one shelf worth of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say how big the shelf was. <coughs> I, I was thinking I would have a basement full of just racks, but uh, okay. I, I'm not saying it's all unbuilt. Do I have? Okay, let me let me think. So we both have piles of shame, right? Most of the time, people put their piles in their closet, I think, is, mm-hmm. is the modern thing. Um, but so for, the, for the people I listening, I feel even, like, yep. For the audience that would be listening, do we even need to define pile of shame, or should we differentiate it from, like, did the, I the regular? It? I don't know if we did. We didn't really differentiate yeah. it from the whole collection. Unpainted and, and barely opened, okay. right? Unpainted, barely opened boxes of miniatures. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in a box. You could also take them out of the box, put them into a pile, and then or, or consolidate them into a box so that it doesn't look as big, right? So you have a whole bunch of boxes. You open them. You take all the sprues. You take all the miniatures. Put them into little baggies, and then shove them like into a pile inside a box so that they fit in a tighter thing. So you don't have to worry about selling. I, I would even put my like assembled but unpainted things into that pile of shame too, because it. Oh, okay. They're not usable at that stage. You've, you've, you've got a okay. little bit done, but you haven't. I think it's a pile of shame if you've assembled them but not painted them, but then you put them back in the box. Or just into a box, yeah. Yes. So it's a different thing if you're one of those guys that assembles them, doesn't paint them, and then goes out and plays with them, that army, right? For them, I don't think that's a pile of shame. They're using them, right? It's the fact that you put them back into the box and then don't touch them for mm-hmm. however long, right? That's the thing. And they're not complete or whatever. They're just like you you put them back into the box for the potential of using or playing with them later and then never do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. If I, if I was sitting on a giant hoard Sorry, of stuff. Finishing them, yeah. Yep. If, I, if I was sitting on a giant like basement full of stuff, I'd prefer that hoard to be mostly painted. Then I'd be proud of it. If it's just like all unpainted. I don't oh, know. yeah, man. Oh, my God. Pyroshane cannot include painted models that you just no. put it back into a box and, and it's there because otherwise, you know how big my – my <laughs> I can only display so many miniatures on my bookshelf, right? Mm-hmm. So, so all my painted miniatures go underneath. And I have cardboard boxes that are full of, like, full of painted stuff and foam. It's, it's just a method of storage. It's fine. All right. I don't know wherever you're heading off to. But, okay. So I think the first thing to go over for this topic is how does that, that pile of shame actually get acquired? Like, because obviously... You, the intention is never to have it left alone. The intention is always to get it painted. But the question are the routes that people end up, the paths that people end up going down, it gets them to having that pile of shame. Yes. Sorry, I cut up there for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, continue on. Ask me a question and I will pretend that, you know, I was listening all that time. Oh, okay. I think the whole beginning of this is to, to start at the beginning of how the pile of shame builds, like what, what the intent is. Because obviously the end intent is always to have mm-hmm. a cool painted project, but like yeah. what what leads you astray from that straight and narrow path of getting painted projects? I think there's – there's okay, so just, just getting to the thing I think is – is an issue, right? Because especially often a thing can happen where your pile of shame, because you have a pile of shame, it enables you to have an even bigger pile of shame. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to the very like quaint days of the last time you were completely painted. Oh, that would be sometime back in like fifth edition Warhammer when I couldn't afford to buy enough miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> there was yeah. a restriction, like sure so like some people when they get into the hobby they just like the pile of shame immediately starts and never shrinks right that's definitely a possibility but for a lot of people uh the it starts at some sort of like point where you actually have painted let's say maybe not every miniature but all the miniatures that you were expecting you wanted to paint right and you're like i'm done Right, I have no more minis I want to paint, even if you have like a couple of bits and bobs in the box or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. What starts the pile of shame? Well, it's usually an idea. Like you have an idea to do something, or maybe multiple ideas is often what happens. Or yeah, well, the idea is the very first part of starting to acquire the miniatures. So I don't know. I usually try and keep my ideas down to like the next project, which mm-hmm. I try to. It doesn't actually happen but i'm not as bad as some people at that but once like if you come up with a whole project and like okay you purchase all the stuff for the project and then you move on from it for whatever reason maybe your friends have moved on from the game maybe you realize the game is crap maybe just you got a better idea like these are all reasons like you acquire a whole thing for the project and you end up abandoning it like do you have any other reasons like just why the abandonment may happen um you bit off more than you can chew i think honestly that is the main reason i've never done oh wait let's not talk about that terrain that project is, there's a that terrain is project. the main reason i think actually people mm-hmm. get ever expanding piles of shame 
because let's say the last time for me was we were playing War Machine, and I actually never finished my Orc Army, but in the context of War Machine, I finished painting all of my War Machine. So I had no War Machine models that were unpainted. and from then on, I told myself, you know what? If I'm going to buy more War Machine models, I'm going to paint them immediately, right? Uh, that lasted for a little while. So I would never have, like, more than a couple, right? A couple mm-hmm. of boxes, right? Just, you know, as, enough that I could finish it within, like, a month or two weeks, right? So um, enough so that I could finish it before my next trip to the game store, basically, right? Okay. So, um, and then I think basically what happened is sometimes there's a good deal or something. I feel like a lot of the times it's these bundles that come through, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, if a bunch of miniatures come with a bundle, uh, they force you – again, this is is kind of bad. This is a marketing issue, right? But it's it's a good thing for the the gaming companies. Gaming companies always want you to buy more miniatures, right? Uh, And so they might create a bundle or maybe your store creates a bundle to give you more value, right? And it's not like they're right. – and that's more value than you would normally buy, right? But they're not exactly, like, lying to you or just trying to trick you. Like, they literally are giving you more value, more bang for your buck. And if you're that one person that wants to – every single thing in that box, you are, like, super happy, right? That's the ideal situation. And then you probably paint it up re- relatively quickly. The so- issue is when the box comes with extra things that you're, like – uh, this is, you know, I might need this, right, later on. So I'm going to paint all the stuff I really, really like or, or assemble and paint paint all the stuff I really, really like. Mm-hmm. And then I'll eventually get to these other things. Oh, so you're talking well, about, like, big boxes. And you're like, oh, okay, I might want all this, but I definitely want these parts now. Like, maybe the box yeah, yeah. comes, so with, it like comes 20- with, like, two, yeah, 20 boxes. miniatures, two, two uh, jacks, two, two, like, big centerpiece models, and mm-hmm. two units of infantry, right? And you're like, you really okay. only wanted it for the two the two centerpiece models of the infantry, but it was such a good deal, you know, mm-hmm. you got the other infantry model infantry as well. Or it was the same price as buying just the three things that you wanted, but you got a free infantry that you actually didn't want. But you're like, oh, maybe I can find it somehow. Yeah, or I guess some things you can only buy in those big boxes. You're like, god damn it, I'm just gonna buy this big box. You can't bring yourself yep. to get rid of the rest of the stuff. And you're like, maybe I can sell yeah. the rest of it, but but you honestly know that everybody else did the same thing you did to acquire, like, two things out of it. and those. Or maybe things. you you just want to retain it, right? You're like, well, I, it's not like I don't like it. It's just I, I'm not using it right now, but maybe mm-hmm. sometime in the indeterminate future, I like it more, right? And then once that happens, that opens up the floodgates. Then, you know, if you ever see, like, for example, a box that's on sale that you're like, oh, well, I can't use it now, mm-hmm. but... You know, I'm working on my, uh, I don't know, my my troll bloods army, right? But then after that, I was thinking of starting a Menoth army. But then this this cool, like, I don't know, the the harbinger of Menoth model was on sale or something like that. Then I need to go and buy it. Another thing that's happened recently to me uh, is I got there. Uh, I basically got to fully painted for Infinity. Uh, and then it burned me because I waited so long. It took me so long to paint everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the mid, the models that I want went out of print. 
Okay. And they weren't. So mm-hmm. I couldn't buy them anymore. So then, mm-hmm. then on, I'm like, oh, maybe I should. So, so this is actually a continuing so, thing with Infinity. So most, is that, yep. a lot of games don't take stuff out of production too, too quickly. They often just allow mm-hmm. their range to keep expanding and expanding, which mm-hmm. you don't get the FOMO, which I guess is the consumer is nice. But if the company takes things out of production, it means it's easier for them to keep their line stocked and they hit you with FOMO. You're like, oh, yep. maybe this will be gone in a year. I've got to get it now. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's not just maybe. It will be gone in a year. If you want it, you need to get it now when the, it's in production. And yep. this has something to do with just the lines, right, of, of how they create the miniatures. Mm-hmm. They can only cast so much. And, like, for Infinity, it was fine when their skew count was much smaller, right? But their skew count is huge now. They have to rotate their skews, or otherwise their stores can can no longer continue to sell their new products. Mm-hmm. So they have to discontinue with the old skews so they can sell the new skews. Otherwise... They'd have like a warehouse, right? To, to have all like like every store has to have a warehouse to be able to sell all the products. Mm-hmm. So to keep that thing down, they have to retire every skew that comes in retires on the old skew. Yeah, right? I think you have like Malifaux. Malifaux often doesn't take things out of production until they create a new version. But going back mm-hmm. to your previous thing, if you just want like a couple things out of a box, if the company produces in a way like Malifaux, where mm-hmm. they sell like a box of five six guys, and you're like, okay, most of that's good, but I actually want an extra one of like these two guys, you end up with these three extra miniatures all the time. Infinity does, does the same third of, sort of thing. They'll release one guy from the faction in a box of three, and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I'll use the other ones. Maybe I'll sell them, and you can buy the whole box of three. Mm-hmm. Maybe buy two boxes of those boxes of three yeah. just to get two of that one miniature, and you've got these other things lying around. You're like, I paid good money for those, but in reality, nobody wants the other two miniatures. Well, maybe they do, but you don't want to give them up. No. Right. Exactly. So that starts building your pile of shame. And mm-hmm. again, I don't think this is this is just a nature of the beast. I don't think this is like trying to blame uh, the stores or the companies, right? Because just yeah. retail is hard, basically, and you have to do these things to keep things down. It's just who ends up paying for it, right? Like if they just continually expanded things out, first of all, your store wouldn't be able to carry all the miniatures. You might not even be able to get the miniatures mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, and if they and didn't make, second of all, if they didn't make boxes with multiple things in at once, there'd be too many products to stock. It would just be too many. Like you could only ever order that model online, possibly if they want to make it yeah. work that way, and then they couldn't get support from stores if they just sold things in that manner. Yeah. So if you want to sell in retail and you're not selling mm-hmm. on the store, then that becomes a problem. And then if it's you're buying it from the store, they have to have the warehousing space to sell all those things as well. So it's not free for them, right? It's just who's paying the cost. Miniature games, they don't make a lot of money. So, like, are they really going to be able to afford afford this? Like, holding a giant warehouse with all the stock they've ever created, right? Continually in print? No, of course not, right? You look at the, the experts at this, like, there's... Games Workshop does the exact same thing, right? They're constantly retiring things and trying to trick people to buy their new stuff. Yeah, and they release it for a little while. They'll tell you it's a limited time release and people will jump on it. Yeah. So so I think Games Workshop is a little bit different than Infinity or, mm-hmm. or whatever, Malifaux, uh, that's weird, uh, or Corvus Belli, because Games Workshop, who, who creates 40, uh, Warhammer 40,000, um, they explicitly, obviously create FOMO 
where they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So they are obviously using the, the the expert marketing to sell to people who are who can't control themselves, right? Like me. Yeah, and, <laughs> so and let's put things like, out slowly. So if you don't get in early enough on the pre-order stage or buy it when mm-hmm. it first hit shelves, it'll be out for months. So. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I want to buy it now because I won't get it. I like like. Like, like we were just saying, they get a, a new model, they put it in a giant box with like tons of miniatures that you don't necessarily want. But if you want that one special model, you need to, or that one new model, you have to buy the entire box. And then they le- release the bottle by itself for all the people who are able to have self-control, mm-hmm. like six months, a year, even sometimes two years later. Or sometimes they don't even ever release it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it'll be like, at least a few months later so that they can maximize the people who just have that who just need it now and then buy this ex- a whole bunch of extra stuff just which ends up becoming the pile of shame right yeah. so like technically i only wanted this model and this stuff was just you know to get it and i kind of tricked myself into thinking that this is worth it for me to get so and then the so yeah i'd say that is like a major reason and i think there's a reason why I feel like Games Workshop players uh, have a lot larger piles of shame. Mm-hmm. So one thing, and that is also related to. Sorry, yeah, go on. No, no I'm moving on to a different topic, so keep going. Okay, yeah. So that yeah. is also related to your your two other reasons, right? Like getting tired of the project is, and just running out of steam mm-hmm. uh, is a big reason for why you you know end up having a giant pile of shame. Right. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty common for a lot of people. I'm I'm nuts, so I just keep pushing through for like an entire year if I have to. But yeah. they're, I feel they're, like it I ends have, up not even being fun for you. It just becomes a compulsion. By the fifty percent mark, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I have to do this. I've started I have to do it, it now. It will hurt me more if I stop once I hit the fifty percent mark. Even though that would normally like some people wouldn't start because they realize how long it takes. Anyhow. Yeah, but then for a lot of people, especially the bigger the project, the more you have to push through, right? And then mm-hmm. the more reliant a lot of people are on, like, oh, sorry, the less reliant you can be on just your uh, excitement of something new and to, to push you through the entire project, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have less of um, an ability to just push through things, right? Uh, push through projects, right? For example, um, I had two dioramas that I wanted to give to my nephew and niece for uh, as presents, right? Harry Potter dioramas. I started this project like for their birthday last year, and so that was like months before their for their birthday. And I worked on it. I did a whole bunch of work, and then okay, so yeah, I did a bunch of work, and then I got tired of it. First of all, I missed the birthday birthdays and i'm like okay i'll do it for christmas but then i got tired of it and then i just kind of put it into boxes and it became like part of my pile of shame right uh but i was able to come back for their next birthday and i was mm-hmm. like i was it was basically shameful i'm like man i, I missed their christmas i basically said oh, i'll do it for christmas i worked on it a little bit but i basically didn't do it i'm like okay whatever but then on their next birthday it was too long to like not finish these dioramas right these book notes for like a full year so i ended up you know knuckling down and finishing it then 
But for a year, a full year, those things like were my pile of shame that I carried them everywhere and then just avoided working on them because I just like burnt out basically because the project was a little bit big. I'd never really done uh, lit dioramas before. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of something that I had to get over. Um, so I just had to like do the work, right, to get over it and figure it out and, and, and get over that. But that took, you know, a long period of time and a, and a period of rest before I could go over and get it done, right? So basically the first time when I did it, you know, the deadline passed and then I just kind of, you know, fizzled out and stopped doing it. Yeah, I think the whole size of the project, you have to understand how big of a project you can do that won't burn you out. Because mm -hmm. we now just play skirmish games, and, and even saying my mm -hmm. big push through an army is now like playing Infinity in an army of 50 guys, because I'll, I'll acquire all these guys, you know, mm -hmm. I'll paint all 50 in a row, but this, I'll try to paint them 50's well. 50's a lot, though. Oh, I know, 50's a lot, but, but when you start talking about like bigger scale war games... Or even, like, mm -hmm. if you've got a diorama, you can have lots of guys on there. You've got to paint terrain with it at the same time. So maybe mm -hmm. the limitation for, like, doing dioramas is, like, one diorama at once, not two dioramas at once. Otherwise, you yeah, may... Yeah, that's what I did. You may try and burn yourself. I had yourself. two dioramas, mm -hmm. and it kind of burned me a bit. Basically, I ended up... What ended up getting me over it is that I, I basically said, okay, I'm going to put this one of the dioramas away and just work on one till I finish it, and yep. then do the second one. So to be fair, I guess in the middle of painting this Infinity Army, I did take a break to paint a Necromunder warband, because that's only 10 mm -hmm. guys, right in the middle of it. So yeah, there are ways of taking breaks between projects. But yeah. sometimes if you take on another big project in the middle of a current big project, I think you may end up shooting yourself in the That may be one way you really shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah. For, like, and I think that's the issue with people who play Warhammer 40,000, right? Mm -hmm. How do you take a break? So let's say you, have a, you bought a new army, right? Let's say you bought, I don't know, Space Marines, who cares, right? Uh, how do you take a break from painting your Space Marine army? If you've bought the whole army at once, because I mean... And you only play uh, army level games, right? You, if you have maybe two armies going on at once, you buy one squad or something for your other army, you paint that and you get back to your main project. But yeah. I don't see my... It's uh, a lot of effort, right? It and is, I feel I like know. a lot of people just kind of fizzle out and just... Yeah. Especially with, with the kind of FOMO like we talked about that happens with... Uh, uh, Warhammer 40,000, and just how large a completed project is, right? Like 50 models for Warhammer 40,000 is often not enough to finish your army. If you're playing orcs, that's like one and it's like one and two thirds of uh, two boys, two squads of boys. So that's like, what is that? Like 400 points of your 2,000 army point army is 50 guys. Mm -hmm. so maybe even less than that, depending on what they're armed with. Like, that's a not a lot, right? No, you have to break and that. And then, down. and then if you want to break that project down, then you must really love this army to get through, get through it, right? Mm -hmm. But, but on the same time, like just by choosing smaller projects, right? Like, like if you play a skirmish game, instead of playing Warhammer Forty Thousand, you're playing Kill Team. Well, Kill Team is only one squad of guys. It's 10 guys. Even if you can only paint seven of them, up to mm -hmm. 10 guys, sorry. I think, oh, no, no, technically it's up to 12, I think. But, like, you know, it's up to 12 guys. So some of the, the Kill Teams are, like, six guys. Yeah, but you right? can take two squads of, like, five guys, right, in a lot of armies. But then you have four yeah. different selections that you could take two squads of those five. So you have to paint 40 guys. We're not talking... you, you, need every, you need every single guy in the whole... <laughs> 
whole possibility. If you paint uh, 40 guys. I think oftentimes they're only susceptible, no. depending on which ones you have. But yes, mm-hmm. so like, so you only need 10 guys, right, to, to actual quote-unquote complete, right? Or if you play Infinity, you have, sorry, Infinity, you have 10 to 15 guys, right? Or technically 10 to ten to 20 guys, because you have some, some extra guys. Usually 10 to 7, I'd say 10 to 17, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, that is a lot easier project to get through. And so you also don't end up accumulating as much, in my opinion, because your projects can change over much more quickly, right? Like, even if you are the kind of guy that finishes a project for Warhammer 40,000, for example, I'm the kind of guy that actually does, even though it may may take me a very long time, I like to finish projects. So I had an orc army, uh, Warhammer 40,000 orc army. Uh, It took me five years to get to 2,000 points. Mm Mm-hmm. Because in between, I was painting War Machine. But for the longest period of time, like, I had a huge, long, like, pile of shame of orcs that I was just slowly kind of slogging through. And it just, if I'm the kind of guy that continues to want to paint to buy new the new hot shinies, right, and doesn't doesn't just, like, cut myself off and say, I'm not going to buy any more orcs until, until I get to 2,000. Like, my pile of shame would have kept on expanding, right? For five years, right? Like, it's mm. a lot faster to just buy things, uh, even if I would eventually get there, right? Like, uh, I could have had an even bigger pile of shame by the time I finished it in five years with all the mandatory bricks I had to take because I started playing War Machine and stopped playing uh, Games Workshop, like, Orc Armies. So I guess that is one of those things you have to look at, right? This like... For your pile of shame, one of the things is, is your buying models faster than your painting of models? Your rate of buying models, acquiring new models, is it faster than your rate of completing? For us, it's painting, right? Mm -hmm. But for other people, it could be a different end goal. Yep. So, I mean, once you own a whole bunch of different armies or you have a whole bunch of different project ideas going on at once, you could, like... They may have releases coming out for those, or you have new ideas come up for all those concurrent projects, and you may be tempted to be like, oh, I should just buy the miniatures that come out for this, or like this is on the shelf right now, I could use it for this project. Like, I could could just get it now, but I guess you have to basically restrict yourself from that at some point. Like, you have to have a clear idea of what you're about to work on if you want to mm-hmm. keep the pile of shame down. Otherwise, I could completely just keep acquiring things for the projects I do have on the go. And it would start to build yeah. a pile enormously. Yeah, I guess the other idea is, like, if you go out and you buy, if you actualize every single, like, if you go out and purchase every single potential project you have, mm-hmm. uh, because purchasing is so easy, yeah. relatively speaking, besides, you know, your credit card bill, uh, it's so since it's so easy relative to, you know, painting and assembling it, it's it can end up being very easy to just continue to to, to get that dopamine hit of thinking about the project that you'll start, mm-hmm. but then never actually pulling the trigger or pulling the trigger on a very, very select few number of uh, projects. Yeah, so I think what helps me keep that action down, because I do come up with ridiculous ideas all the time, is I basically have like lists going for all the project ideas. And once mm-hmm. something like comes up, rather than going out and just clicking the buy button on online store, 
Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, just keep adding it to that like document, this list of ideas for this project. And so if least- it looks way too long, you got to like start doing the thing where when you get a new project in, you got to destroy a project. And then you don't have to destroy the document. The document's just like on the... No, no, no. You destroy one of the lines on the project if you want to put a new one in. Or you can come up with a replacement idea. You're like, oh, the tank, like the big battle tank should have all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff on it. Then you come up for some, some other idea for the battle tank. Then you delete the old battle mm-hmm. tank idea. And you're like, oh, here's my new, like, here's mm-hmm. the new mutation on my Nurgle battle tank idea. And you, mm-hmm. you just keep updating that. So you feel like, I guess it gives the outlet that you're like actualizing the project even mm-hmm. though you haven't gone and added to your pile of shame or your credit card bill. So I, I feel like that's how I get my outlet on this. And there's a lot of these documents around, or even mm. just having folders in your computer with just like saved pictures, saved ideas and all that sort of stuff. You just, mm. you keep so you get, the, mm-hmm. you get the fun and the dopamine hit of the potential, like of, of thinking about the potential of the project without the actual monetary and physical problems of that thing by doing planning you're like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. go through the planning without actually purchasing everything and i'm gonna plan out my project and and then maybe once you're done planning it you're like well that's that's enough i don't like this project enough to actually actualize it so i'm done so then you you don't work on it anymore right and then you never have to buy it because you 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 figure it out during that planning phase uh, that this is not a project you actually wanted, or especially when you look at all the other projects, this is not a project that you would want to do over these two or three other projects that you have. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of describing like how you should even choose the projects you start to avoid the pile of shame. Like mm-hmm. you may even, I even sometimes come up with like the whole purchase list of all the like actual things you need to buy to execute the idea, mm-hmm. or what will be proxied for this model, or how this model will be converted. So mm-hmm. that having that exist, I think helps me not have the biggest pile of shame out of some of the people we know but i have giant folders and email threads to myself <laughs> yeah and, and especially like i said when things go on sale or or or, or you're worried about things going out of print and it, it makes you tr- you know pull that trigger for a while right mm-hmm. um yeah, earlier think, than you normally would in the project yeah i think by creating the idea list you can actually compare your different ideas you're like okay uh-huh. is this idea actually really similar to this other thing i've done lately Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'm not going to get that much entertainment or like use out of this because I've already created like a Necromunda army that already plays like a lot of shooty stuff. Like why why go buy another mm-hmm. one of these? I'm not going to play it because I already yeah. have something that fulfills that role. And also when you list your projects down, you also end up getting a timeline or an idea of the timeline. This is this is like project planning at work, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, our miniature games and our, our assembly and, and painting of miniatures are a bunch of little projects, just like what you do. Well, you will, what people will often do at work, especially if you're in an office job. So, like planning those things out, because you know, like this might be our hobby, but it still costs real dollars and real takes and space. Real time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like our hobby is free, right? It's not like you're chopping like trees down in the wood and then whittling the wood so it doesn't even matter right and you plant like, another tree and by the time you get to the yeah. next project you'll have a new tree grown yeah. well i guess technically if you had the same pile of shame it would be like a pile of chopped down trees and you end up having just like a field with no forest in it eventually you just have a whole bunch of of wood although chopping down a tree is actually a lot of effort so anyways but the, the analogy doesn't work quite well but like the the entire point is like 
if you are trying to plan out a project, right, and you have a whole bunch of things you need to, to get done, it's, it helps a lot to write down, you know, all of those different things you need to get done. So you can have an estimate of how long it takes. And then you can kind of see, like, even if I wanted to one day, let's say, work on a Imperial Guard army consisting of all my infantry being Infinity US Ariana troops, right? Mm-hmm. This is an idea that we've had kicking around, right? So you should start, if I were, you should start just going out and buying them, right? Right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to just go out and just buy, buy them, a box. Right? Exactly. Just buy a box. Get but if I were to list that down, this is in terms of all the other projects that I have, which is, you know, my Hack Islam army, my, my Eugene army, which technically I've, I've got, you know, my Invincibles version done. Yeah, for uh, Infinity. And then, yeah, for Infinity, right? And then I have, you know, actually I also have, like, a couple of other Infinity armies that I'm going to work on after my hack stuff, which is, like, when I list them all out, I realize that, and then I have all these other, like, I have my Frostgrave armies, and then I have a bunch of little small projects of other things. If I were to list all those things out, I would realize that I would basically never get to the Imperial Guard army of all Infinity models because, one, i never play 40k, and if I were to play 40k again, it would be my Orc army and my Elder army, which I hardly play anyways. So when would I have the time to even play this army? And then if I was going to assemble it, like, and I list it out to all the other projects... This project is perennially going to be at the back of the list, right? Yeah. If I buy all the models and I had them there, I'm not going to start them until I finish all my other, the other projects. That even though I think the idea of this uh, Imperial Guard army is cool with all Infinity miniatures, it's not cooler than all the other projects that I have. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be projects next year. Like even if I were to complete all the other projects I have now, I'm pretty sure next year I'd have new ideas that would go ahead of this project. So because it's so far back, right, just like if you're doing project planning at work, this is one of those things that just will never get there, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the, the the bug you have in your software that you're just never going to get to. You know, like, this is so low priority. We have so many things that we're going to do instead. We're just, just, you have to learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, we've talked a lot about avoiding acquiring the pile of shame. Should we move on to trying to whittle it down? Like, like the forest, or do we want to talk about other pitfalls first? I could say I could say one word about pitfalls. Uh, sure. Kickstarters. Kickstarter is another one. This is again the it combines like everything, right? Yeah, no. It's got quick dopamine hit. It's got the fear of missing out. It's got that idea of a project, but that project even even for it to get delivered to your house. So even for you to have the box in your hand takes so long. So it has that extended project kind of issues that you kind of, and then by the time you get it, it might just be never be on the top of your list. So it always stays on the back of your list. And then it, you know, when you bought it and then when you actually started it, you realize like you're never going to get to this thing even when you bought it. But, you know, all of those things end up happening on Kickstarter. Yeah, it also gets the element of you get a giant number of miniatures that's probably well beyond what you actually really intended to do anything with. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's got that beautiful well. one. So, yeah, all of these things kind of hit. And then it ends up saying, like, what's the point of 10 special edition miniatures if you never use them? Right? Sure, maybe you got them even for free. But you had to buy a whole bunch of other miniatures you didn't necessarily want to get these 10 free miniatures. Like, what's the point? Yeah. And, in fact, if you never use those, those miniatures, 
and they're just free, and all they do is take up space, the taking up space is not free. So they actually have a cost, even if they're just burning like a hole in your your closet and making your closet more or your basement right more messy than it should be because you have all this stuff that you would you will never use right so yeah kickstarter is definitely a serious danger and i have fallen for it before and mm-hmm. there's also the issue of you basically buy it based on marketing so you don't even necessarily know how the, the models look like so they might you might have like be super excited when you started and then when they actually get delivered to you, they're like not as good as you expected and they just kind of go on a pile. Yeah, I would say most of my pile of current pile of shame is from Kickstarters. I don't I don't even want to get into it. I don't even back them to Kickstarters either yet. They, they, <laughs> as you said, they, they're just so good at hitting all those elements that generate piles of shame that that's where I got yeah. quite a pile from. Okay. Yeah. So here's one of those things. I think I've said this before in other other podcasts, but I don't want to – I'm not trying to say that any of those things, like all those things are just out and out bad, right, in every single context. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like we said with FOMO, some of th- that's just part of the business, right? Oftentimes. It's not just part of the business. It's, it, is, it can be just part of the business. For infinity, for weird and things like that, you just have to expire things. Or it could be totally evil, like how Games Workshop does it. Technically, Games Worker doesn't always do it evil, but they will. If they can do it in an evil way, they will do it if it makes them more money. They've at least stayed away from Kickstarter, but maybe they've just run the numbers. And it's not the most yeah. optimal form if their evil has yeah, gone exactly. beyond that level. Yeah, I think that amateur if evil. they were to do a Kickstarter, exactly, they would they would do their own kind of Kickstarter, which is kind of what their pre-releases and everything are. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention, though, is... Um, if you just want to buy things because you get the dopamine hit, that in and of itself, if you can afford it, mm-hmm. it can make sense for you to go out and buy the model just yeah. because you want that dopamine hit. Like, it's not necessarily, like, healthy. Mm-hmm. In a ideal world, like, your ideal self, would it need a dopamine hit for purchasing something? No. But we don't live in an ideal world. So sometimes, you know, you're having a bad day. Your work was extra long. Uh, you got a lot of stress. Sometimes, you know, and then you go to the game store, maybe basically the, like the hour, the last hour before it closes. Sometimes it is the best thing for your mental health. Just get that dopamine spike. Buy that miniature and throw that box into your pile of shame. Maybe that is the best thing for you at that time. Mm-hmm. So there's not necessarily anything wrong with that until your pile of shame is giant and it's burning a hole in your credit card and you're wasting a whole bunch of space and money Mm -hmm. so yeah so do we want to get to um solutions when you have that pile of shame now or did you want to say anything more about no no i think our we've talked about the building all right let's get to it so you have now a pile of shame if you've been in a miniature game or miniature hobby long enough, you will probably have a pile of shame at one time or another. Um, maybe, like we said, you might have had it from the very beginning. What do you do? What are our solutions? And obviously, it's not not necessarily complete solutions. Maybe some of the solutions are just like coming to terms with it. But what are your solutions first? So I think the first one that comes to mind is just like selling it off. 
Like some stuff is easier to move than others, obviously. But yeah. that's that's the go-to often. But that does require quite a bit of effort to mm-hmm. just like you usually got to photograph it unless you've kept mm-hmm. it all in the boxes and can list it. You've got to go worry about meeting buyers and dealing with flaky people. And yeah. you have to get over the fact that you're probably going to have to sell it at a discount because it's you're usually bulking it together to get it out rather than having to spend mm-hmm. tons of time individually yeah. shipping off eBay everywhere. Yeah, someone is so. more likely to want to buy their product from a store than buy it from from some sketchy guy on Kijiji. Mm-hmm. And you just need to realize that every once in a while, you're that sketchy guy on Kijiji. Yeah. You're going to have to take, so, you have to, you have to take a lot off to sell to get rid of stuff. Yeah. Usually. And so, so basically, I guess the step before that is you need to document your pile of shame. You need to yeah. go through your pile of shame and choose the part of the pile of the shame that you will eventually get to. Like like I said, like for my diorama that was in the pile of shame for a mm-hmm. year or my orcs, which are in the pile of shame for five years, or it's for stuff that I just sold away, right? Yeah, like I can't reiterate how much, like how you actually have to document the thing. If the things are already like opened or partly done, you need to photograph mm-hmm. them. Just because I'm part of like miniature cell groups in our area. And I see mm-hmm. so many, I don't even want to like use the adjective for these people on our podcast. Just they're mm-hmm. dimwits, and they, they, that's that's being nice about it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's being nice about it. All right, explain they, they sell, I, what, who's a dimwit? The people who try to sell things on the sell groups and do a lousy job documenting it. Because if they mm. had any, like, critical thinking abilities, they'd be able to think, okay, that's put so myself. That's cruel. You're put really myself, going in on these guys. I put myself in the buyer's shoes. They have no sales shoes, experience. Put themselves in the the other side they're like okay i'm the buyer i see this like two pictures that don't even have all the miniatures in it and it's just like bunch of drew curry stuff five hundred dollars and it's like what's wrong with you (laughs) if you were on the other side you'd be like how do you even like how can you buy this why would i even spend five hundred dollars on something that i don't even know what it is exactly they're just that lazy and entitled to think they're gonna get like 500 bucks for just doing nothing yeah, I think the problem is they got into their pro- – oftentimes these things, these these people who are trying to sell, got into their problem of having this giant pile of shame mm-hmm. by without thinking about it. So their go-to would also then be not to try to get out to get to th- to, without thinking about it, right? They're like, oh, well, maybe I'll just try it. You know, some people said they could sell their stuff, so I'll just try it. And mm-hmm. then because, you know, the more time you put on it, put in on it, uh, the less worth it it is, right? If you end up selling that box of Drukari for $500, but you end up spending 500 hours on trying to sell it, mm-hmm. that's a terrible use of your time. Yeah, but if you right? don't do any document, from what I you see... You might as you well have not sold it and just thrown it out if it took you 500 hours to sell your Drukari. Mm-hmm. But no one who doesn't put... Any, no one who omits like any useful details ever sells anything on those groups. <laughs> They never. It's just That's never. It's the, the return is zero. So. So they basically lost just the extra time. Yes. They put yeah. in the twenty. They probably took pictures. They put in the twenty minutes, and then they lost the twenty minutes, and so they're negative twenty minutes, and they've not sold anything still. And they've annoyed everybody by showing them something that they'll no one will ever buy because it's. Un- yeah. So that if they stick to the hobby, and then you see them later on, you're like, ugh, you dimwit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, you know, sometimes they're just 17 years old and they, they just never really thought thought through it. Their mm-hmm. brain is still, you know, developing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. You got it. Like selling it is not free, right? Like, like first of all, you have to document everything, mm-hmm. and you, and even more so than than like we were saying before, like planning it before you even buy it. Documenting the things that you have already purchased is like extra more useful right because then you can list okay how long with all the stuff i've purchased how long will it actually be before i use or purchase this stuff or or, sorry use or 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 assemble the stuff if you have like if you're 10 years out you're Mm -hmm. never getting the stuff 10 years from now that just means that just means you you just it's just taking up space yeah, and the even harder part about the documenting is you've then got to like establish a reasonable value for all the stuff, because depending I on the meta. Think so I think what what I mean like not just documenting mm-hmm. to sell it. I mean like documenting your pile of shame to know whether you will actually ever get to it, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is something that people just don't do. So they just have a giant pile and they're like, I'm never gonna. I I just need to keep it because maybe right. Mm-hmm. But what you need to do is just spend that time. And go through all of your miniatures, and ma- you don't even have to like assemble them as projects, right? You just need to every once in a while, just like spring cleaning, spring cleaning your pile of shame, and put them into boxes of, you know, this is generally what I do, right? I don't track the act- act necessarily the actual projects, but I basically keep them in boxes of like, this is the stuff I'm going to use within the next, you know, the next couple months. This is the stuff that I I know I'm going to get to eventually, right? in the next year or whatever this this is the one that's a little bit longer that i'm not sure of and this is the stuff i definitely will never get to so, and just sorting that allows you like to shrink it right that is an interesting way of organizing things i usually just organize them by project and the projects may or may not be in any particular order but if you organize them by timeline that might actually help yeah. get get you through things and let you know how big the pile is because like yeah. if you have a big thing but it's next on the burner Maybe that's okay, but if you have a lot of big yeah, things exactly. in the back burner pile, that could be ugly. Yeah, like for example, my orc army, like my first 2,000 points took, like I said, five years. My next 2,000 points took like two years. Mm-hmm. Like when I was working on it, right? I There was a gap, and then I started buying more stuff, and it, I basically finished the next 2,000 points in like two years. So, um, It really just depends on where you are, where it is in your queue and everything, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, once you've assembled that off, how else are you going to sell it? So I guess there's – we mentioned, like, trying to sell it on Kijiji or sell it yourself, right? Going onto these Facebook groups and putting it up for sale. And basically it just takes work, right? you got to see how much your products sell for, and then you got to document it, take pictures, uh, and list it. And then you got to deal with flaky people, which is the worst, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> – you know, both sides can be flaky on Kijiji, right? But at the same time, both of them can get better deals, right, because of that, right? Yep. So you might – if you're a buyer, you can buy something for less, and then if you're a seller, you can sell it for more than, than you know, uh, the third option, which is instead of selling it to uh, directly on, on a, a group, you can sell it to a store or a third-party seller, Right. Someone who will buy it at a significantly more discount, but at the same time, they'll hold it. They'll take it off your hands relatively quickly, mm-hmm. and then it'll be up to them to sell it, right? Yeah, they can reach a bigger audience. 
ideally. Yeah, so for example, our game store, actually, they do quite well in terms of selling uh, used miniatures. So they have like a whole wall of used miniatures. Um, and I check that thing a lot of the time. Even and, and most of it is Games Workshop products, but even though it's Games Workshop products, <laughs> it moves pretty fast. I'm actually oh, yeah. kind of surprised. Like, they have, considering, you know, it's basically a reselling thing where they buy and sell these mm-hmm. used miniatures and then just make up make a markup on it. Um, they move the, the miniatures, right? Yeah, because I guess they so, have a big enough... They have a big enough audience, which is the whole goal of selling to one of those people. Yep. And so for us, uh, you know, to me, I don't sell on Kijiji anymore. I used to. But it just, it, to me, it wasn't worth the, uh, like, it's, unless I have a giant lot that, that can sell together. Like, let's say I have 500 months. Let's say I'm trying to sell my orc army. It makes sense because it's so big. Mm-hmm. to sell it like it becomes worth it for me to put in that extra amount but if i have like all these small things let's say i have one one box of space marines right and that's missing one guy because i only wanted one guy from the space marine box right trying to sell nine guys in a box on kijiji or on a facebook group is the same amount of time and effort not exactly but it's a similar time and effort to selling a whole army's worth of space marines right because mm-hmm. the, the Although the documenting part is some time, right? The actual, like, finding the person, communicating with them, and then meeting up is, like, a much about, larger portion. It's almost the same time, yep. Yeah, it's almost the same time for that, right? So, to me, though, it makes a lot more sense, even though I make a lot less, like, to sell it to the uh, game shop, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you- when you factor in time, especially the more money you make per hour, like, that your time is worth more money and you start comparing it, right? Especially if you have uh, variable hours where you can put in more time to get more money. Yep. So so if that's the case, then how much time do you actually want to spend? Actually, it ends up making a lot more sense to, like, unless you enjoy the whole haggling and and selling it on Kijiji, that kind of of thing, it makes a lot more sense to just take a much smaller cut. Don't spend the time, but, like, sell it to your, your game store. So that you can, you know, you make a lot less, but you finish it very quickly, right? Yeah, and there's other websites that do it too, and it means they can part the thing out too. If you've got like 30 plus things in the batch, and you're like, no, you, you're not going to part it if you sell it, but maybe they can part it. And it's the more yeah. effective, it's a more effective way to sell certain things off. Yeah, so even if you could get like 70% or 80%, sometimes it makes more sense just sell it to the game store, make even like get. 20% or 15%, 10%, oftentimes these numbers are like still better overall relative, right? To mm-hmm. when you compare them to how much you sell it, right? Oftentimes the game store is just going to be, just because of the time amount, it, it's just more worth it to sell to them. And that's basically what I do now. Like I don't, I don't really sell anything myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the other thing you talked about first is actually documenting your pile, your backlog. Mm-hmm. So yep. by having that, like actually knowing what you have and being able to let others know what you have, it helps to just be, at that point, you can actually just give things away to friends because you know what you have. Like, yep. I, don't, I don't usually try and sell things to friends anymore because it's, it's not even worth that much usually, unless it's some mm-hmm. giant, giant pile of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, I'm never going to use this here. You just have it. Yeah. And it's, and it's gone. And then you're like, that didn't, I yeah, didn't that's another that. thing. Just give it to your friends. 
Yep. It doesn't it. it doesn't feel like a loss at that point. You're like, oh, it was a gift. Somebody like yeah. My friends like that. Good. It went somewhere. They achieved something positive. And here's another thing that you can do, and it kind of is doesn't preclude the the second half of selling them eventually, but there's a lot of people where the joy of the miniature hobby is assembling miniatures, right? So for us, you need to fully paint them for it to feel feel like you completed them, right? But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they just want to assemble them. That is actually the fun of the miniature gaming hobby. And this is generally people who like plastic kits, right? So they actually, the idea of clipping things off of a sprue and then assembling them is worth more than getting a miniature uh, like fully assembled and painted, let's say, to a high quality, or maybe not painted so that they can paint it, right? The idea of just clipping it off the sprue and assembling is the hobby they're into. Yeah, like if that's, thinking, of, thinking of those plastic car kits, like that's a hobby. I mean, I, yep. don't, I don't really like the idea of that hobby. I like the I like the painting aspect of the hobby more. And the playing, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that whole that whole portion is it's a hobby into its own right. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people end up getting caught up where they because they also still are into the hob the the playing and the painting, but to a much lesser extent. They buy a lot of miniatures and then they feel like they can't they need to keep it because they'll never get to painting it or playing with it. Right, so they just keep it unassembled, right? And this means they actually end up getting a lot of mod- models, right? Well, if your hobby is just assembling miniatures, mm-hmm. don't worry about the second and third step, right? Mm-hmm. Just as, just clip and assemble your miniatures. Get the joy out of that. Maybe it's a relaxing, maybe maybe it's like an, a relaxing activity that you do at night to just decompress from work, right? Do that. Buy the sprues. Assemble them, feel that fun. It's and then that's your like like treat the this, in some ways it's kind of bad. It's like treating your your miniatures as a activity, but that's what they are for you, right? Mm-hmm. So to do the activity once you're complete. Uh, and and obviously if you just assemble it, you're not painting them or playing with them. It takes a, it's a lot faster to complete your miniatures, right? And do that, and maybe that's the joy that you get. Treat it like going out to watch a movie, right? When you when people go to watch a movie, you don't buy afterwards buy a DVD or, or whatever, uh, buy a subscription uh, online every single movie you watch, right? There's certain movies you just rent or you go to the theater to watch, right? It's just the activity. For a lot of people, miniatures or maybe there's certain miniatures that you would buy and paint, right? Just like for a movie, you would. You would buy it and then bring it home and, and rewatch it and stuff, or just like having it on yourself. Um, and then there are certain ones that you just want to rent, and maybe the assembling stuff is just a rental for you. Yeah. So do that. Yep. And there's people out there who just build puzzles. It's like, okay, yeah, you didn't you didn't paint the puzzle, you didn't like yeah. create the puzzle from scratch. You just yeah. put the puzzle together. And I I mean I enjoy puzzles a little, but I wouldn't. Yeah. But some yeah, it's less not us. Hobby, but it's just not right. us. Yeah, so if you do that, don't get caught up and like keep the the stuff, right? Just realize that the hobby part is assembling it. Maybe that gives you a little bit more incentive to just break things out, assemble the kits as much as you want, and then realize that you're done with the kit. You, painting mm-hmm. is not part of the thing. So and and you know certain miniatures that you really like, maybe you paint them, but certain ones you just wanted to buy it just to assemble it, complete the assembly, 
and then sell it back, right? It, think of it as a rental, mm-hmm. right? That you got your joy out of it, assembling it, and now you're done. Sell it back to the store, and then some people like us who enjoy painting more might buy your miniatures, clean clean up the assembly or whatever, make it how how we want, and then get our portion of the hobby from it, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about it in that way, I feel like that helps. I think that will end up helping a lot of people because I feel like, especially in Games Workshop, there's a lot of people whose hobby is assembling miniatures. And like I said, I have an inkling that that's the largest part of the hobby. Yeah, I'm not going to claim to fully understand this the thought process. <laughs> it's not us. I understand. It's just like it's, it's just like people who are tournament players don't understand that like assemble miniature assembly and painters are a larger portion of the hobby than they are. Because, you know, like tournaments, hobbying, like when you're in that space, it's like all encompassing. It seems so big, right? Even if it's a smaller portion of the hobby. Like it's a critical portion, but it's a smaller portion than the other portions. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't understand how it hurts me to see their faces on the miniatures poorly painted. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly, right? So, yeah, just be a little bit more empathetic. and, and, And if you're that person, understand what kind of hobbyist you are and then that can help you shrink your pile of shame as well, mm-hmm. well and get over the feeling of hoarding it. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're kind of going down possibly the tiers of ways you can reduce the pile. So I think mm-hmm. down to the very bottom of the pile is just chucking things. <laughs> like this, this is the total loss, basically. Well, no, it's. I yeah. guess it's technically worse if you kept it because you, you're basically saying, yeah. you know, having it take up space is worse than not having it at all. So once you've reached that stage, but that that removes the models. But I guess what what are the criteria, I suppose, for once you've reached the rock bottom? Well, I feel like it's basically if it doesn't make the, the tier directly above it, which mm-hmm. is in, always in your pile of shame, right? Yeah. So there are certain miniatures or certain boxes that will just, you know, always be in your pile of shame. And I think I think we talked about it. There's some fun in having an entire shelf that is just a shelf of a store in your own home, and you can pick off, like when I say shelf, like a like an entire wall. That's what I mm-hmm. said when I meant shelf. Like when you you having an entire wall just being a wall of a store, right? You have. You have all these these different boxes. Some of them you mm-hmm. like more than others. Everything you you te- technically bought. It's kind of fun and cool to have that, right? Yeah, so honestly, it's just looking at the wall. It's just mm-hmm. like the consumerism thing, right? You get that dopamine hit of oh, what am I going to pick off my wall today? Oh, so honestly, I have I have part of that, and half of it's just things I've built. But I'm like, this product is just so cool. It's going back onto the shelf of boxes just for display. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? So, so you have this shelf. You have the shelf, and there's some fun in that. And if there is, like you said, a box that's just cool, and just the potential, even if you never take it off, the potential is cool enough, maybe it's worth it to keep that box on, right? Um, to fill out your shelf, to, to create the illusion of an entire wall of a store in your own home. Mm-hmm. And then there are things where you look at it, and you're like, oh, that sucks. I need to get rid of this. It, like, <laughs> if yeah. you have... Uh, really old boxes that no longer look cool. Like maybe you liked it before, but then it turns out the Tau were a mistake. And so you're like, why did I even buy this box of Tau? They're obviously stupid looking and their entire 
reason for existing is terrible. Okay, so mm-hmm. I want to remove that from my shelf. Well, sometimes instead of assembling, wasting time doing that, and you have, or maybe you have no idea of how to use them as, I don't know, like scenery on the bases of your uh, orcs, right? You're mm-hmm. like, I don't even need that. I Sometimes you just got to throw that away. Yeah, you're like, you're like, well, do I want to give it to my friends? And But your friends have taste, so they're not going to take the towel. <laughs> yeah. And then you so, come to the game store, and the game store is like, no, we need product that will move. <laughs> like, no, we won't take that. Yeah. And then you put it on Kijiji, but then then you take the post down because you realize you'd have to meet with the towel player. And you're like, no, I don't <laughs> want to meet with the towel player. <laughs> and then, then you've gone through all the tiers at this point, and then you have to mm-hmm. throw it away. Yeah. And you know what? Just throw it away, man. It's like, what was that, 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 the, the, Mary Kondo kind of thing? Or maybe that mm-hmm. was folding. But just like was, living, was that getting rid of stuff that you don't like either? Yeah. As well? Stuff yeah. That only stuff keeping that stuff is, that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Only keep stuff that brings you joy. Exactly. So it doesn't have to, if the sitting there in the box, like, there's another thing is that a lot of people, they get, emotionally you know it's kind of stressful in some ways to have this pile of joy just like when you're at work and you know you feel like you're supposed to accomplish a whole bunch and you know you'll never get to it 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 ends up creating unneeded stress even if even if technically your own boss maybe you're your your own worst boss and you're like you're giving yourself emotional pain for knowing you will never get to this box because it's tau right so in some ways you should be patting on the back for having emotional pain for owning a, a towel box but the next step you know just pull that trigger man get it out of your life Keep, if, if the box sitting on your shelf doesn't bring you joy destroy yeah, it yeah if the idea of the project doesn't bring you joy anymore yeah. and it hasn't for a long and time smash it with a hammer too so that no one can do it even if they wanted to find it mm-hmm. in your garbage hmm <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I think that is basically it. We've gone through all the different, like, what could actually uh, result or all the, a lot of different ways that can result in the pile of shame. And then what to do with your pile of shame, the many different kind of, of steps or, or tiers of your pile of shame and, and how to accomplish those things. Um, right down to the idea of just throwing it away. Mm-hmm. So at the very end... I've done all Is these things. <laughs> yes, I've gone, all, I've gone through these stages all many times. Everything but the towel, because I've never purchased towel before. I don't know. I might go purchase some third-party towel in a few weeks <laughs> if, if I catch up on my pile. Third-party towel is different. Third-party towel don't look like towel, and then they're not actually towel, so it's fine. Technically, I do actually have towel when I think about it. Uh-oh. Yeah, I have uh-huh. a whole bunch of towel devilfish. Uh, but they're basically a parking lot for an infinity table, which I've literally had for like five years for sure. I, mm-hmm. I will eventually finish that project, but I haven't I haven't finished the the rest. The, of the, the idea of the project still brings you joy, though. Yes, when I think about it, it's just not on on the top of the list, right? So right. yeah, all right. So I guess I am a hypocrite. I have Tao. Don't tell anyone. Mm. So if you have any thoughts on your pile of shame, uh, did we want to mention how big your pile of shame is before for the end? No. It's, it's <laughs> undoc- I, I refuse to document it because it's too difficult. 
<laughs> All right, fair enough. If you actually have a guess uh, of what our how big our pile of shame is relative to our, our pile of completed miniatures, um, why don't you uh, give us a shout? Or you want to talk us uh, talk about your own pile of shame or or issues about that? You can uh, give us a shout as well, as long as it's not trying to sell us your miniatures. Mm-hmm. So you can contact us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yep, or find us on Facebook or Dice Over Everything. This has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.